You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Today's reading is a poem called Refugee by Abdullah Kasim al-Yatim. I was forced to leave my country They said it was for safety. I went quickly to pick a flower of jasmine, collected soil as much as a bottle of water, and hid olive tree leaf in my little pocket. I went out of my sweet house and forgot to take my memories and hopes. Instead of that, I took a song named All Arab countries are my home. I walked confidently and sang, All Arab countries are my home. I was surprised by my new identity. They called me a damn Syrian refugee. They violated my rights and stole my childhood. In addition, put me in a small tent far away from the worlds. My heart broke and my soul was in pain. I treated myself with the smell of jasmine. Yesterday, I was a happy child cheering, all Arab countries are my home. However, today I have become a refuge, a refugee who was expelled from places. And that's the poem Refugee by Abdullah Kasim Al-Yatim. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, Good morning again, beloveds. Where you go, I will go. Your people are my people. Your divine is my divine. I want to thank Sally for leading us in this beautiful song. And um, Charlie for leading us in this difficult poem by a 12-year-old boy. 
The song itself um, is called Where You Go by Shoshana Jedwab, and it has become one of my favorite tunes since I first heard it a couple years ago. It turns out the lyrics are based on a passage from the book of Ruth. For those unfamiliar, the book of Ruth is part of the Hebrew scriptures. It's not part of the Torah, which is the first five books, nor is it part of the Nevi'im, which is the books of the prophets. Instead, it's the third section, the Kethavim, the writings. And this is the same section that includes the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. The Christian Bible also includes Ruth in its Old Testament, but in a different location. So if you're looking for an accessible doorway to the Bible, Ruth could be it. Here's why. It's a mere four chapters, shortest book in the Bible. It reads like a short story. It actually is a short story. And scholars hail Ruth as one of the more literary books of the Bible. And importantly, its main character is the heroine, Ruth. So let me ask you, you want to hear a story? <laughs> a long time ago, before a man called Jesus of Nazareth, a couple of thousand years ago, and even before a man named David, 3,000 years ago, there was a man named Elimelech. That's a mouthful. He was from Bethlehem in Judah. Perhaps you've heard of that. When famine struck in Judah, Elimelech took refuge in Moab on the other side of the Dead Sea, along with his wife, Naomi, and his two sons. So you got this Jewish man and his wife and their two sons leaving their homeland to go to a neighboring country. Why? Well, because there was a famine in Judah. You know, folks don't usually just pick up and leave their homeland just because. Sometimes they leave because of wars or oppression or horrible laws or changes in the climate. In this case, they left for food security. But then Elimelech died, leaving Naomi a widow. The sons grew up in Moab and they did something Jewish men were not supposed to do. They married Moabite women. That's a no-no. They married Orpah, it looks like Oprah, but it's Orpah, and Ruth, the heroine of the story. Then those two sons, they up and died. And that left us with three widows living in Moab. We had Naomi, a Jewish woman living in a foreign land of Moab, and we had her two Moabite daughters-in-law without husbands. Now, keep in mind that career opportunities for women in that day Shall we say we're scarce? Well, Naomi learned that the famine in Judah had ended, and she thought the best thing for her was to go back to her homeland. But both Ruth and Orpah said, we'll stay with you, Naomi. But she pled with him. She said, no, 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 no. You got to get on with your lives. You're young, you're pretty, and you're in your homeland here. You need to go find some husbands. I'll be okay. I'll just scurry back to my homeland by myself. It's gracious on her part. And it sounds pretty reasonable because they really didn't have much other prospects there. 
And Oprah, Oprah, I knew I was going to say it. (laughs) Orpah took the advice, but not Ruth. Here's what Ruth said to Naomi, her mother-in-law. Do not urge me to leave you, to turn my back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I shall go. Wherever you lodge, I shall lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Wherever you die, I shall die. And there I will be buried. You should recognize those words. We just sang some of them. Where you go, I will go. Your people become my people. Your God will become my God. Ruth is saying, I will accompany you. I will abide with you. She was under no obligation to do so. It was her mother-in-law, for goodness sake. <laughs> Legally or morally, she, she was told as much. But, and if you know, in the ancient Near East, just like in Appalachia, she wasn't kin. And you know what I'm saying? There's kin, and there's not kin. And she weren't kin. She owed no duty. Yet Ruth's goodness compelled her to remain steadfastly loyal to Naomi. And this is the important part of the story that I'm going to come back to in a minute. But you may be like my kids when they were younger. Perhaps you're, you're not quite ready for the moral of the story. And then what happens next, Daddy? What happens next? <laughs> I just love those first stories we read to the kids when they wanted to hear what Dad had to say. <laughs> well, to make a short story even shorter, They return to Naomi's homeland in Judah, where Naomi laments her misfortune and changes her name to Mara, which means bitterness. I hope there's no Maras in the, but you know, it's just a name, right? And she goes, and so so Ruth does not sure what to do. So she goes to the grain fields to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. So you see back then there were rich people and there were poor people. Kind of like now. (laughs) But they had a law that said, here's how we'll help take care of the less fortunate. After the landowner has done a first harvest of the fields, anyone can follow along and pick up whatever is left. No charge. Ruth didn't own land. She wasn't even employed as a harvester. But even as a refugee in another land, she had the right to gather the remaining grain for her family to feed her family. And that's what she was doing. Now, the field she's in belongs to a guy named Boaz. Just love these Old Testament names. Boaz. He happens to be a wealthy relative of Naomi's deceased husband. Now, Boaz notices that Ruth is a really hard worker and she's really humble. And when he learns about her story, he's impressed by her loyalty to Naomi. He's kind to her and he gives her extra grain beyond what she had gathered to take back to Naomi. Then it gets a little weird. (laughs) Naomi suggests that Ruth take a bath, change from her widow's garments, put on some sweet smelling stuff, and pay a visit to Boaz at night after he's been drinking a little. (laughs) (laughs) Naomi further instructs, instructs Ruth to Notice where Boaz lies down and wait until he's asleep. Then she is to uncover his feet 
and lie down there next to his feet. Just so you know, there are a few places in the Bible where the word feet can be interpreted as something else. <laughs> but let's just assume it's feet. Never, regardless what happens, when he wakes up, he's surprised. And this is when she asks him to provide for her mother-in-law. Because as we know, Naomi's deceased husband is a relative. Ruth then offers herself in marriage to the much older Boaz. And I'll leave the words used and the traditions and the culture of of that for another day. But fast forwarding through some very honorable, I must say very honorable and noble acts and non-acts by Boaz. And some quirky aspects of marriage laws back then. The next thing you know, Boaz has promised to take care of Naomi and Ruth and share the family wealth with them. Hooray. He and Ruth are married. They go on to have a son named Obed, who has a son named Jesse, who has a son named David. Yes, that David, the one who slew Goliath, later became King David, whose line Jesus is said to have come from, all because of Ruth. And some of you never heard of Ruth. But that's not why I love this passage. It's a cute story. I'm less concerned about Ruth's relationship with David or Jesus or even her relationship with Boaz, which is way nobler than it might have sounded like. I am concerned with her relationship to Naomi. Ruth was as loyal as she could be. She was bold. She was selfless. She took risks that she didn't have to with no expectation that she was going to be treated kindly. She put the needs of someone else ahead of her own. She chose to accompany Naomi. Naomi, the older widow. Naomi, who had lost both of her sons. Naomi, the Jew in a land of non-Jews, she chose to accompany the marginalized person, even if it meant becoming a marginalized person herself. So as I engage with the story, I find myself uninterested in historical fact, whether it happened like this or not. It's pretty good fiction, though. We think it was written about four or 500 years after it supposedly occurred, but biblical scholars can't agree on anything these days. We also don't know why it was written. Why was this one of only two books named for women in the Bible? Some think it had represented a mitigating voice to those crazy rules forbidding marrying others of a different faith. And some think it was to lift up the wise choice that Ruth had to follow Yahweh and forsake her pagan heritage. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to comment on any of that. Here's what I want to tell you. The book of Ruth has almost no references to God. Appeals for the divine intervention characterize most books of the Bible, but not Ruth. The character only mentions God in passing. To me, this story affirms that God's active involvement is not all that relevant in day-to-day -day affairs. It's how we treat one another that matters. Maybe that makes Ruth the Unitarian. And much of the Bible highlights and even exaggerates the power of bigger than life figures. The unlikely heroine Ruth, her superpower is love. One of the Hebrew words for love is hesed. Rather than referring to romantic love, hesed implies faithfulness, 
It was a universalist who coined the phrase, God is love. So maybe Ruth was a universalist. What I care most about is the message of accompanying those in need, regardless of their heritage. I care because Ruth's inclination to accompany seems so needed today and so rare. Who chooses to ignore nationalistic and religious differences in defining who it's okay to hang out with? Who chooses to put their own well-being aside to accompany another along an arduous journey? Who chooses allyship with the oppressed when the powerful scorn them? Who chooses to side with love even when it might get them in trouble? Ruth did. And a lot of you use have and still do. How about now? You remember that poem by the 12 year old that Charlie read? I was forced to leave my country. They say it's for safety. I was surprised by my new identity. They called me a damned Syrian refugee. They violated my rights and stole my childhood. I asked myself, what am I doing from my comfortable perch in an affluent country surrounded by kin? Can I really understand what it's like to have to leave my home, my family, and my culture? There but for the grace, they say. And I find myself wondering, if Ruth were here today, where would she show up? Perhaps we would know her as Ruth, the social justice organizer leading the march to the state house. Maybe she'd be Dr. Ruth, working at the Planned Parenthood Clinic, accompanying a young pregnant teenager through one of the most challenging decisions of her young life. And can't you just imagine Ruth, the immigration attorney, helping reunite, reunite refugee families at the southern border, torn apart by a broken system? Heck, maybe Ruth, the attorney, could later replace another Ruth as a Supreme Court justice. One can dream. Ruth says to Naomi, do not urge me to leave you to turn back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I shall go. Wherever you lodge, I shall lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. The world needs more Ruths. Ruth didn't just say nice things. She didn't simply hope for the best. She took action. Are we? Are we acting? with love for justice, as our church's mission implies? You and I, are we accompanying the marginalized? Are we leaving the comforts of our safe society to hold the hand of, to act as an ally to, to accompany the older, the underserved, the widowed, the trans youth, the refugee? Will you and I be Ruth? I leave you with these lyrics of Shoshana Jedwab, paraphrasing Ruth. Where you go, 
I will go, beloveds. Your people are my people. Your divine, my divine. hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.